So with that, I'll hand over to you, Mark, and you can take the reins from here. Thanks. Thank you so much, Sarah, and, and thank you, Marsh, again. So look, um, the, the presentation today is quite timely, um, you know, as we're approaching the, the new financial year um, for those organisations that um, are looking at uh, finalising their, their strategy. Um, you know, this, this webinar hopefully can provide some insight. Um, and for those organisations that already have a strategy, you know, we'll talk a little bit more around deployment and hopefully there's a few tips and tricks in there for, for you as well. So just a, a little bit about us, um, you know, as it relates to the webinar today, uh, we, we help organisations and boards both develop and deploy strategy. And we work with a couple of organisations at the moment, um, you know, um, was approached by a health and safety head, um, had been in the organisation a couple of years and just wanted a fresh set of eyes around their strategy. So. We'll um, share some of those insights today and learning, um, and it's probably not, um, it's, it's a great opportunity for us to also um, let everyone know that we do have a new team member um, announced this week, Rebecca Crompton. Uh, I've known Rebecca for a couple of years. Uh, she's, she's a great character, and I really look forward to her bringing in a whole bunch of new energy to our team and, and to our clients as well. So before we sort of get into it, Sarah, I've got a poll um, first up. Um, so everyone on the line I'm really keen to understand how often does your organization um, actively involve operations to review health and safety strategic objectives so typically organizations have got some sort of strategy or plan um, and, and part of that plan often is a set of objectives of what they're trying to achieve to improve health and safety so keen to understand how often you actively engage your operations in the review of those objectives. So Sarah, I'll, um, um, I'll lead, it, lead up to you to um, let us know when people have completed their response and we can sort of share the results when they're ready. Okay, just about everyone, just wait a couple more seconds. Probably worth noting there's no one right or wrong answer. Um, we will share um, what um, a lot of leading organisations are doing in this space. So uh, when you're ready, Sarah, we'll tend to get the results. Okay, so what we've got here is just over half um, of the respondents are saying um, annually. Um, and another 30% um, are either rarely um, or twice a year. Um, and about 10% um, or just over um, every quarter. So we'll, we'll share with everyone what leading best practice is. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the importance of reviewing objectives every quarter um, and how that might um, tie into your planning cycle. But um, this does help me, I guess, understand the nature of what organisations are doing at the moment. Um, and we've got about 10% or just over organizations reviewing their objectives with operations on a quarterly basis which um, to be honest is is it's pretty low um, but we can sort of walk through different options as we go through today so um just a, a quick overview of what we'll, we'll cover we'll cover the why um we'll, we'll walk through you know what we're talking about today a few myths and we'll, we'll delve relatively deep on what okrs and kpis are and how that might um, help your organizations so we've got here a, a dog chasing its tail. Um, and I guess why um, having a really strong set of 
strategic objectives um, and, and targets are, are really important is that, you know, you, you might have um, some um, KPIs that um, seemingly are, are really well. Um, you might have a strategy that you're implementing really well, but if that strategy is not effective or the KPIs aren't effective, um, it's really a missed opportunity for growth and improvement. Um, so best case, it's a missed opportunity. Worst case, you're going to plateau or even go backwards if you're not um, setting really clear objectives, targets um, in a way that's going to be supporting your organisation. So today, we'll go through some of those concepts in a little bit more detail. So in terms of just setting the scene in the scope, um, it is a pretty broad subject, so I've tried to limit the scope a little bit. Um, you can see on the, the screen here a, a simple diagram that's really uh, differentiating between, on the left-hand side, proactive metrics uh, or reactive metrics and proactive metrics, um, both internally and externally. So we, we won't be covering external drivers. We won't be reporting regulatory compliance requirements. We won't be covering off ESG or sustainability reporting and all those things. We're purely going to be focusing on what are some of those internal metrics that help drive performance, health and safety performance in your organisation, with the understanding that um, often with a balanced scorecard, there is a mixture of both reactive and proactive metrics. Uh, more mature organisations tend to focus on the proactive side a little bit more, um, and less mature organisations, which is fine, uh, tend to focus more on compliance-related or reactive and lag indicators. So just to dispel a few myths up front, um, the Heydrich model, which has been around for many, many, many years, um, really talks um, in a linear fashion around if you set targets and drive a certain number of um, acts, behaviours, um, reporting around certain things like hazards and near misses, um, in principle, you're going to reduce um, injuries and therefore improve health and safety performance. Now, um, there's lots of literature out there that dispels that as being um, not necessarily correct. And just because you're reporting more hazards or near misses, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to improve performance. Um, notwithstanding that, the practice around reporting hazards and near misses obviously is, is a good one. Um, but what we'll work through today is, you know, what are some of those things that you can do um, around driving the right strategic direction and approach, as opposed to getting too focused on numbers and, and KPIs and just getting that balance right. Um, it's fair to say too, there's lots of um, noise around um, reporting around lag indicators, lost time injuries, frequency rates. Um, more recently, the, the CSR, the Construction Safety Research Alliance out of Canada published some information around the invalidity of, of TRIFA, total recordable injury frequency rate. Um, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about um, where frequency rates sit into the mix of a balanced scorecard um, and where it, it might uh, be relevant um, and hopefully provide some examples that uh, go beyond uh, lag and lost time injury reporting metrics into something that might be a little bit more meaningful. So OKR versus KPI. So this th this term has been around for a long time. Um, it's not new. Uh, I guess what um, I'm trying to do today is take a concept that's used in the in the business um, fraternity and 
try and give, give it a bit of a health and safety flavor in terms of how it might help um, health and safety uh, performance. So OKR, objective and key results, uh, really is around setting a bit of direction around what you want to achieve and where you're going. So where do you want to play? Um, and the KPIs are really just indicators of, you know, is it working? So if you use the analogy of driving a car, um, you know, there's going to be a destination or the journey uh, where you're going, uh, what you want to achieve, um, the speedo, the tire pressure, the temperature, the oil gauge, they're all just indicators to help you get there. Okay, so if you're getting too focused on the KPIs, so using the, the, the safety example of lost time injuries or, or lag indicators, sometimes you're going to lose focus on the strategy and where you want to go. So clearly some of these indicators around driving a car or safety performance are going to be important and, and help inform whether things are going well or whether you need to you know, tweak your approach. Um, but if there's a take home message today is try and get the balance right between focusing on the indicators and the destination. And if you're getting too focused on the indicators, you're going to lose track of where you're going um, and your destination. Um, and the destination typically is set through some sort of strategy, development and the deployment. Um, the ISO standards talk, talk a lot about um, you know, setting objectives and targets. What we'll do today is provide a bit of a framework around how you can develop and deploy objectives and targets using the OKR and KPI model. So there is a chat um, in, in the, the chat function there. Um, what have we got here, Sarah? Is there anything relevant for us to, to go through? We've just got um, Robert saying, um, if, you, if you want to add any questions, just add it to the Q&A panel. So that's good to know. So yeah, feel free to um, jump on the Q&A panel lots of questions and answers happy to pause and answer those as we go through and or there'll be um, some question time at the end as well so what's the difference between an okr and a, and a kpi so typically an okr um, is a set of challenging objectives that supports the strategy status challenges the status quo where you're going Usually, um, they've got a growth-orientated mindset um, and challenges organisations to improve. So as an organisation, if you, you're not happy with the status quo, if you want to improve, having some sort of challenging um, objectives and key results will help you get where you want to be. Um, KPIs, um, although they can also be challenging, typically don't change um, as often um, and they're usually um, ongoing metrics to give you a bit of an indicator of, of where you're going. Um, OKRs are typically qualitative and the key result areas is the quantitative piece. Uh, the KPIs are typically a bunch of really quantitative measures to give you some sort of uh, metric or output of, of where you're going. So a good example would be an objective um, could be for an organisation to improve uh, warehouse critical control. So that's what you want to achieve, how that's measured and tracked through your key result areas could be 100% of forklifts fitted with sensors over a certain period of time, or how effective the critical controls are um, by way of a percentage also across uh, a period of time. So we'll talk through how to set up really um, um, effective OKRs and KPIs at the moment. 
but to set the scene, the OKR, OKR is really um, those um, objectives and key results um, associated with the strategic choices that you're making and the KPIs are the indicators of, of how you're tracking. So we've got here a question from Sharon. So why do so many companies focus uh, on LTI reporting? Um, there is almost an obsession and manipulation of small details to refute LTIs occurred. So you look sad but true, Sharon. Um, we've got, I think in the absence of having um, a consistent metric, and we'll, we'll work through different components of um, and elements of what makes a good KPI. I think organisations and industry have typically used um, LTI or TRIFA because it's easy to understand and it's easy to compare. Um, why are people so obsessed? Um, when you set targets and sometimes remuneration around these sorts of things, or if you're setting targets that are the difference between winning and losing a contract that drives certain behavior. Um, I'm sure there's lots of other reasons. Um, so I guess as an organization, you know, uh, as an industry, there's lots and lots of, um, I guess, noise around at the moment around what makes an, an effective measure. Um, I guess today I'm sort of sharing with you an approach on a balanced scorecard, not one measure, but a balanced scorecard on um, a different approach on focusing less on the KPR and a little bit more on your OKRs and the strategy um, and how your strategic um, objectives are being tracked and measured. Um, if we just park safety for a second and we think about uh, a business analyst or some sort of um, um, analyst or um, a venture capitalist company trying to evaluate whether they want to purchase a company or invest in a company. Typically, there's not one metric that they look at. It's usually a combination of you know your typical balance sheet, your, your P&L, your cash flow, and a bunch of other metrics and ratios to give an, um, the analyst a bit of an understanding of the performance of an organization. If we take that same approach with safety, usually there's not one indicator that's going to give you a complete picture. So informing your boards, your senior managers and other people in your organization around the right mixture of metrics and building the capability of them to understand those metrics will help them make the right strategic choices and decisions. So what makes a good OKR. So as I mentioned before, it is really important to, to ensure that your OKRs are challenging the status quo to drive improvement if that's the intent of your strategy. Um, the term OKR is, is not new. It's not something that we've made up. Um, the likes of Google, Intel, LinkedIn, and many, many more organizations use the OKR model to drive strategic choices um, strategic development and deployment to improve their organizations. Typically an OKR um, is and the key result um, um, measure around that is usually somewhere between 30 and 90 days um, with the view that as part of your deployment, there's regular check-ins to understand how your strategy is being deployed. So if we reflect on the, the poll at the beginning of the uh, webinar today, We've only got 10% of people on the call today um, checking in with their operations to understand how their strategy is being performed. 
So that is relatively low. Um, I think we had about 250 people joined. So 10% um, and although not to the full 250 people are on the call today, 10% is a pretty low number. Um, and I, I guess the challenge for, for people listening today is, you know, apart from understanding whether or not um, your strategy is correct and the way you're measuring that's correct is, is the frequency of engaging different parts of your organization done on a regular basis and on a, on a, on a basis um, that's frequent enough to, to support your strategy. So apart from those OKRs being bold, it's also really important to ensure that they're objective um, and also inspiring and meaningful to the organization so they understand and it drives improvements that you're trying to look for. The key results, so they're the, the 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 measurement piece that supports the the objective should be specific, measurable, aggressive, realistic, time bound, and more importantly, verifiable. So, as you start thinking around how you're deploying your strategy effectively and the frequency of review, you want to be able to verify um, whether or not it's working. Um, so, having a, a key result area that's verifiable, not only checks in to ensure that it's effective, but it also um, ensures the right level of accountability uh, to ensure that people are doing what um, they've intended to do in the first place. And, and lastly, the, the, the OKR should be aligned and cascaded through the organisation, from an organisational level, through business units, teams, and ideally at an individual level as well. Um, by having that alignment and cascade, it gives purpose, um, it motivates, shows alignment um, and encourages the organisation, everyone within it, to work towards those common goals and objectives that you set. We've got another Q&A here, so I'll just quickly see if it's something relevant to share. Um, um, Matthew has uh, put up a, a post here, as discussed in the last few weeks, AISH forums panel is seen by industry that um, it is evidence-based. I'm not quite sure what that is, but it sounds like there's some work being done at the moment within industry to come up with some metrics that's going to be meaningful and help the organisation and industry. Um, so yeah, Matthew, if you want to provide a bit more detail on where people can find more information on any leading practices around what good KPIs are or metrics are to measure performance. It'd be great for you to, to share that or where to get additional information. So this is um, as we start working through the OKR KPI um, approach. Um, this is the OKR um, piece of the puzzle and we'll talk a little bit more around KPIs in a second. But in terms of um, what this might look like, um, one of the the more challenging components of um, having effective uh, OKRs is the, the alignment and the cascading. So we'll go through an example of a second of what that might look like. So um, this is just one way. There's lots of different ways you can cascade objectives and, and key result areas, but um, typically um, an organisation or a leader will set the objectives um, that will be reviewed periodically, but they generally don't don't change. The leader sets the direction um, and those objectives um, are adopted by the organisation and some key results put around those to, to track performance. So if Sarah is the, the leader of the organisation, sets the tone, 
um, and then cascade those down. So the, the key result areas um, that um, Sarah sets then becomes the objectives of Bill's area, her report, and they cascade down accordingly. That enabled Bill um, and anyone at his same level to make his um, key result areas specific to his area of the business. So it allows cascading, but also uh, provides relevance to different parts of the organization. So if we just go through an example of what that might look like, um, if Sarah is setting um, the objective similar to what the example was before around improving forklift safety in the key result area, one of the key result areas is to ensure 100% of forklifts um, are fixed with um, sensors. Um, that key result, um, can then be adopted where relevant um, as an objective for Bill. And then he comes up with the respective key result areas for his business. So there typically is three or four key results for each objective. So this is just an example of one. Um, so if Bill um, adopts that, um, that key result as his objective, he then comes up with some key result areas. So a key result uh, for his area could be to trial and evaluate those sensors. Uh, within a respective time period as well. And then he assigns ownership within his business to, to make that happen. So if you're reviewing this on a quarterly basis, you can ensure that they're not only working um, and ensure that um, there's different mechanisms to track performance and, and drive improvement. So again, getting the balance right, if you're focused on the OKRs and getting the OKRs right, uh, the KPIs should take care of themselves. So cascading those OKRs down from an organization, team and individual level should share that, um, ensure that alignment. In terms of then tracking that performance, um, one approach is to rate your OKR performance from zero through to one. So zero or 0.1 being the lower end of actually meeting your key result area through to one being 100% knocked it out of the park. Um, what we said we're going to do, we've achieved um, and we can move on to um, tweaking that to, to make further improvements. So you can see here a really simple dashboard where you're tracking your OKRs to ensure that the strategy is working um, and is on track. Um, I'm working with an organization at the moment who didn't want to get too caught up in the numbers. Um, they seem to think that within their organization, um, culturally, they didn't want to focus too much on numbers because it was driving um, behavior that they didn't want. Um, so we've just used a, a simple traffic light um, system of red, orange or green of how their OKRs are performing still provides the same um, outcome in terms of tracking OKRs on a regular basis and provides an opportunity to stop, reflect and check in on strategy and performance um, on, a, on a regular basis. So that's the OKR side of the equation. Now, if we focus on um, K KPIs a little bit, um, Although my personal bias is to focus more on OKRs than KPIs, KPIs are important and they do provide a good indicator of performance. Now, whether you're trying to track performance internally and compare performance within organisations and or compare externally, um, that'll help you formulate the right KPIs that are right for your organisation. Um, using this model, KPI should be balanced between being both evidence-based 
um, and opinion-based. So if we look at some examples of what um, evidence-based um, looks like, um, so KPIs that um, are, are predictive, okay, so they accurately forecast the future, um, they're, they're valid, so statistically they measure what they're intended to do, um, and reliable, so statistically reliable in that it provides a repeatable, consistent result. So um, an example of that is um, a survey tool. Um, spoke a, a little bit about the health and safety index in, in other webinars. Um, you know, to, to make a declaration, you know, we've developed the health and safety index ourselves. So, you know, we've got a bit of a bias to using that with organisations. Um, regardless of what survey tool you, you choose to use or what KPIs you choose to use that are evidence-based, um, what I would recommend is to ask the person who has designed the tool around what is the, the, the statistical reliability of the survey. So you've got high levels of credibility and the confidence intervals are right, um, that when you redo the survey um, or you're comparing um, surveys um, on a benchmark basis, that it's statistically reliable and, and meaningful. So that's the, the evidence-based side of the equation around a KPI. So in terms of uh, opinion-based, um, ensure that the KPIs are important and, and directly um, reflect the outcomes of what matters. So um, if we take uh, lost time injury as a frequency, as, a, um, as um, an example of is it important? So, you know, sometimes the difference between um, someone falling off a ladder um, and having a, a scrape on their knee um, and falling off a ladder and having a lost time injury or worst case fatality is luck. So that's just one example of why um, sometimes um, lost time injuries is perceived as not necessarily really reflecting on what matters. Um, is it functional? So is the KPI um, aligned with what the organization is trying to achieve? Is it aligned with the strategy? Um, and is it clear and understood? So if you've got a right understanding um, and mixture and balanced set of KPIs that cover off some of these areas, you know, inevitably you're gonna come up with a good mixture of things to, to, to inform some sort of decision-making. So I've just got um, another Q&A in here um, from Declan. Um, doesn't a fundamental feature of compliance around ISO require um, companies to develop key objectives, um, communicate those through continuous improvement? Yep, certainly does. Um, so I guess part of what we're, we're doing today, just giving people, I guess, some guidance on um, how to uh, develop and deploy objectives in a meaningful way using the OKR KPI model. Uh, we've got some other Q&As here as well. Um, something from Stephen. I fail to understand how Trific can either prove or provide evidence of safety culture. Yep, I think it's a, it's a, it's a fair comment. Um, and something from Paul. Um, it doesn't. Safe Work Australia has, very, has a very interesting paper on LTIs. So, um, look, I, I think there's an overwhelming consensus here around and frustration for, from some people around um, the use of lag indicators um, and whether or not they're, they're meaningful or not. So, um, I guess what we're, we're talking through today is just other ways that you can measure performance. Um, 
without necessarily being too reliant on some of these lag indicators um, and injury frequency rates. So if we take um, the elements of a good KPI that we just spoke about and now give some examples of what that might look like across um, those, those various elements. If we take Triffer, um, one of the reasons why um, historically it's been um, used um, so, um, I guess, widespread across industries that it's objective and it's clear. Um, doesn't necessarily make it valid, doesn't make it predictive, doesn't necessarily make it functional as people have already alluded to, but that's one reason why people use it. So it's not to say you shouldn't use it at all, um, but you just need to understand when to use it um, based on the mixture of uh, performance metrics, metrics you've got and when to use it based on your level of maturity. So for example, if you're an organization that's very mature and you've got one um, recordable injury a year that blows out your stats, that's not going to be valid at all. So using injury frequency rates isn't going to be that beneficial to you. Um, as organizations move through the maturity and become more mature um, and perform better and they're becoming, uh, having less injuries, um, the validity of injury frequency rate becomes less and less. So for the, ch the challenge for, for organizations and industry, hopefully as we improve, the relevance of TRIFA um, and injury frequency rate should become less and less. So we need to move towards something that's going to provide a bit of a balance on what good performance is. Um, so if we look at another example around measuring and reporting on potential consequence, so this could be some sort of event where regardless of the, the injury classification, um, you're reporting on the potential for something to go wrong. Um, often that's very valid and really important. Um, may not necessarily be as objective and clear all the time around near miss on whether or not it's um, a potential catastrophic or a potential major, um, but notwithstanding that, if someone's up a ladder um, without the right fall protection, or working at height without the full right for protection. Um, clearly, regardless of the injury classification, the potential for consequence is quite high um, and you want to be able to um, drive the right behaviour and performance. Um, as we start talking around performance, it's also worth noting too, although behaviour is such an important component of performance, when you come up with the right OKR KPI mix, um, it's important to understand that um, performance is um, behavior in people. It's also around plant um, and assets. It's performance around process and systems, performance around environment, etc. So getting the right mix of what you're measuring based on your strategy is going to be really, really important. Okay, so another example here, moving through um, an, another metric that organizations might use as part of their balance scorecard are valid um, surveys. So statistically reliable and valid surveys that help um, measure performance and predict potentially where things are headed. So typically organizations use some sort of health and safety climate survey. Um, we spoke about the health and safety index before. Um, some of the benefits of a climate survey that's designed in the right way is that um, it's valid, it can be predictive, um, it's certainly important. Um, 
The level of objectivity um, can be questionable based on the type of question. Um, it's usually based on perception. Um, but if you've got the right population size and the right confidence intervals, inevitably that perception is going to tell you a story um, of what's working, um, where to focus on what's um, not quite right or things that could be improved. Um, and sometimes, depending on how that information um, is visually displayed, um, and depending on how much it costs and how hard it is deployed, can vary um, from organisation to organisation. So, you know, trying to pick the right survey um, and the right population size, um, if done correctly, um, can actually provide really good indicator of how things are performing with your organisation. So lastly, um, a, a, another, another KPI example would be some lead indicators. So usually, um, you know, a good balance between qualitative and quantitative lead indicators, um, be it you know, focusing on critical controls and how effective they are as a lead indicator or some sort of enabling control. Again, can be just another mixture um, in your balanced scorecard um, to provide uh, an overarching story of how things are going and some things that people can take and learn from. So um, I guess the overarching message is here is if you can provide the right mixture of KPIs, um, they should be able to cover off those six elements of what a good KPI looks like and tell um, an effective story. So the chat's going off. So just let me pause for a second. I'll see if I can um, answer some of these. Um, so we've got something here from, from Sharon. So g'day, Sharon. Good to see you on board. Um, I know that you've got um, some really strong and valid views around LTIs. Um, injury measures don't measure culture. Correct. Uh, they do provide an indicator of harm. Um, which is also of interest to governments and businesses. So we need to match the measure to the, uh, to the question um, of what they actually want answered. And yes, we do need a better indicator. So thanks, Sharon. Um, hope you're well. Uh, we've also got another um, question here from or a response from Christian. Listening to the recent commentary um, from many platforms, there is a general acknowledgement that TRIFA has its place and should be one metric, but it should not be associated with the presence of safety or safety culture. Yep, fair call. Um, lots of commentary around the the, um, the the absence of failure and the presence of enabling things that are going well. Um, and you know, the absence of failure isn't necessarily a good measure of performance. Um, so yeah, definitely in line with what we're talking about today. TRIFA is a valid indicator. Um, of injury occurrence, not a culture of say or safety systems. Okay, thanks, Sharon. Um, the the research out of Canada um, sort of challenges some of that thinking a little bit, but I can understand for some organisations where TRIFA can be valid. Um, we've got some other people agreeing here, and we've got Sarah sharing a link um, from SafeWork with some of that guidance material as well. So. Look, lots of good chats here. I can see that there's um, lots of interest around this subject area. So hopefully as we go through, we're providing a bit of a balanced view on, on what organisations can think about um, and what's right uh, for them. I'll just double check the time to make sure we're okay. So we've got about another 20 minutes left. So 
tracking okay. So if we just take those examples a, a little bit further um, and, and provide some, some case studies. So if we look at the potential consequence, um, look, for many organizations um, and people on the call, this is probably isn't new, but you know, just to, to clarify here that um, when we're talking around potential consequences, it's not pure risk. We're talking around the, the consequence side of the equation of a typical matrix. Um, and some organizations start to tier uh, the potential consequence ratings and report on those based on a tier one, tier two model based on the level of consequence. Um, and obviously that can then tie into different topics or major hazards or uh, major unwanted events based on any sort of um, um, categories you have for reporting and start to tell a story um, of where to focus your attention. Um, some examples of um, lead indicators, so enabling controls, that could be some metrics around timely action, timely action closure, it could be around effective responses, it could be adopting of shared learning. Um, I was listening to someone yesterday talk around innovation and how, they, how they've um, embedded innovation into their strategy, OKRs, and even some of their KPIs to promote um, um, and reward people on, on innovation to, to drive improvement. So um, moving beyond enabling controls to critical controls, um, I know there's been a lot of talk and lots of uh, resources on the MICE website around this. So using critical controls and measuring critical controls through sensors on plant and equipment. So often that can be automated. Um, it could be driven through your system requirements, off-site observations and other human sensors to really get some metrics um, and set some, um, I guess, targets in and around what good looks like for your organisation. And then health and safety climate. Um, again, using reliable um, safety climate surveys or within the health and safety index, um, uh, I guess a, a broader view on health and safety, uh, you can get a, a pretty good indicator of how things are performing within your organisation. So another chat um, on the call here, Jeremy, um, this is a great document, well worth a read. Um, so that's the document I think that um, Sarah sent through, so great. And, and Paul's also said, um, uh, need to measure the, pres the presence and effectiveness of controls and also learn from what is going right. So look, 100% agree on that one, one Paul. So it sort of ties in with this whole concept there of measuring the effectiveness of critical controls um, and sharing that learning in around um, how effective controls are within your organisation. Okay, so we've spoken a lot about what a good OKR looks like, um, what a good KPI looks like, um, some potential examples. Um, so in terms of then, um, I, I guess, executing that well within your organisation, um, one thing to consider is the maturity of your business. So if you're um, you know, just starting out um, or you're a, a basic compliance for whatever reason, which is absolutely fine, the metrics that you use versus a more mature organization could be very different um, based on your resources and, and just the, the general level of capability and maturity of the business teams and individuals within your company. So you can see there, um, not surprisingly, we've got injury frequency rates um, as a measure, um, albeit quite reactive um, and typically used for lower uh, mature organisations. Moving up um, to maturity scale, um, still 
on a reactive sense, we've got potential consequence ratings. So um, again, a really good um, measure to uh, look at potential consequence, focusing on those um, major events. Um, and usually more mature organizations will focus on that more so um, than waiting for an injury to occur. And the other side of the equation, looking at the proactive side, which ideally where people want to play, um, um, you know, move, moving from enabling controls through to critical controls um, or moving from quantity-based counts. So the number of hazards, the number of toolbox talks, the number of um, licenses expired, which are very compliance-driven through to well, what are the, um, the quality of the, those controls um, and how effective is certain intervention. Um, and then moving through to mature organizations in a proactive sense using OKR ratings, so really tracking your strategy, so not getting too tight into your KPIs and using the OKR model or something similar to actually track your strategy on a regular basis. So you're clear on your destination, you know where you're going, um, and you, you're heading in the right direction to, to what's important to your organization. Um, and again, um, reaffirming um, what some of the chat said around the importance of critical controls and then using uh, reliable benchmark, either survey data or other indicators to give you a, um, a sense of how you're performing both internally and externally um, within your organization. So these are just some examples um, and just something for people to think about in terms of not trying to do it all, but select some OKRs and KPIs that's gonna suit your organization and the level of maturity. So we've got um, another chat um, from Steve. Thanks for sharing. Steve's got a link here to um, a website on a guideline for performance indicators. So thanks for sharing. Sort of drawing to the, the back end of the, the presentation here. So we'll have some an opportunity to ask more questions and answers. So I guess in summary, um, I guess, what we've spoken about today is getting the right balance between OKRs and KPIs. So being clear on what you wanna achieve, where you wanna play, um, and using KPIs as an indicator of making sure that you're heading in the right direction um, and ensuring that you're selecting the right metrics uh, to measure what matters to your organization based on the level of maturity um, and the strategy um, of what you think's important. So Sarah, we're sort of um, opening things up for a Q&A in a second. Um, for people that do want um, more information, um, we do have a blog on this subject area and you can download a, a template, an OKR template to, to help um, formulate what you think is good for your organization. Um, we've also got a blog, um, which I think is referring back to a lot of the work that we did with uh, Miles recently on critical controls. Uh, and also um, we've got some information on the health and safety index there too, if, if people want that. Um, some external information, um, the International Association of Oil and Gas um, has, has got some really cool information on um, rating potential consequence um, as, as a way um, to tier um, um, KPIs um, based on both lag and, and lead indicators. So again, just some other material there that people might want to go and have a look at that's important in addition to what people have shared already today. So really that's it um, for today. Um, I'm just having a look at the numbers here. We've got 101 people still on the call. So, um, you know, we've got um, 
another five or 10 minutes. I'm happy to hang around um, a lot longer if people want to start firing questions, share information. This isn't all about me trying to answer um, and come up with all the all the silver bullets because I don't have them. But um, if people want to share information or fire some questions or learning, um, you know, could be a great opportunity given we've got so many people on the call today. Um, we've got something here from Jessica. One of the challenges and, and limits um, that we face with KPIs is how we collect them. Oh, 100%. So the administrative burden on um, what KPIs you select is, 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 is dead right. I mean, I've been in organisations where they've set targets around hazard reporting and, um, yeah, drives a whole heap of admin and doesn't necessarily add a whole lot of value, um, depending on the, the level of maturity. We've got some here from Stephen saying thank you. Uh, no drama's there. Thanks, Stephen. Um, happy to take some more chats as they come through as well. Um, Jessica's also saying um, the systems I have used to design give us uh, quantitative data, um, um, but not so great on qualitative. It becomes onerous um, and, and unachievable. So, yep, um, having the right mixture there of quantitative and qualitative is um, often good. Um, if you are using the OKR model to uh, track your performance, you know, you can put a number next to it, or you can just have a, um, um, you know, a, a learning team to sit there and have a chat um, around what's working, what's not, without necessarily putting a number next to it at all. Um, something from Wayne. Wayne says thanks. Thanks, Wayne. Um, so, um, Sarah, is there any more information that you think's worth sharing on the chat um, that um, people might find relevant today? I. Uh well, I do actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've got a little academy that I'd like to launch. Um, if they, uh, we've done over, I think, well over a hundred webinars in the last couple of years. So we wanted to put them in one place where everyone can just search for a keyword or a certain topic. If you scroll to the bottom of that website, you'll see a, a directory sort of of all the people who have presented including FIFO, and if you click on the FIFO link, which I'll try and get um, just now, you will see all the webinars that FIFO and Mark and Mark's colleagues that, that, that they've done. So um, there's an email address at the top if you have any feedback or you know someone that you want to present or you want to recommend a topic, then um, we will um, get to that. I'll get hold of that and get your feedback. So. Um, hopefully it's a platform that people can use to um, learn from and there's different ways there's um, a podcast so you can listen in the car or on the train and um, yeah just um, looking forward to feedback on that so there's that um, FIFO site so all of Mark's webinars are there and um, yeah if there's any other resources too any other YouTube videos or uh, white papers that you think of please email them and we'll try and get them up there too. Um, there is another question uh, Chris says how do we subscribe to the newsletters um, there's a subscription at the top right on that website um, but if you subscribe to myosh webinars you'll also get all the content we're basically shifting the webinar content to this platform um, so that um, 
and so also sort of taking it global as well to get um, presenters and um, expertise from other regions as well. There's a question here, I think, Mark, um, from Sharon says induction and training KPIs rather than OKR, question mark. Yeah, so look, um, you, you could formulate both an OKR and a KPI around both those subject areas. So, I mean, a, a KPI could be just tracking, um, you know, the, the, the completion rates, whereas you could develop some OKRs, some strategic initiatives around improving the content um, delivery and outcomes of those inductions as well. Um, there's also another question here, Sarah, from Christian. With the clients you work with, are you seeing any general industry themes for OKRs direction? Perhaps a question for another time. Yeah, look, um, it probably is um, something that we could talk about um, a lot. Uh, what I am seeing some general trends around what people are focusing on um, around OKRs. So, you know, some of those um, strategic choices around where to focus um, is on critical controls. So trying to formulate on what the critical few are, um, shifting from enabling through to um, really understanding what their critical controls are and how effective they are. Health and well-being is an ongoing popular topic. Um, leadership and culture certainly are, are a good one too. Um, um, in terms of people thinking that's um, important for their organisation, but um, some of those that, those things that um, come up in a lot of the webinars that Miles are doing are probably a good representation of where people are starting to focus on. So in terms of high frequency um, injuries and uh, getting the balance between now, high consequence, high frequency, a lot of musculoskeletal um, style um, initiatives, OKRs, um, and even new technology out there to, to track that as well. Sarah, I understand you've you've got a, a webinar coming up on um, trying to measure musculoskeletal injuries in, in the coming weeks as well, which would be interesting. Hi. Yeah, that's on the 7th of July. We haven't published it yet, but it'll be on that um, webinar, that academy. Um, in the next couple of days. All righty. Well, look, um, that's it for me, um, Sarah. Looks like a lot of the, the Q&As are starting to dry up. So there was a question around, will the slides be made available? So yeah, definitely I'll, I'll send those through to you, Sarah, and you know, feel free to, to share those. Um, if people want a, a copy of the OKR template, um, either jump on our website or shoot me an email and I can send that through as well. Great. Okay. Thanks, Mark. Thank you very much for that. Looks like everyone appreciated it very much. And um, hopefully see everyone next week as well. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Thanks everyone. Bye. Alrighty. We now <laughs> finish there. <laughs> just reading the chat actually <laughs> so i didn't want to cut it off um all right yes thanks mark we'll uh, talk soon yeah I was, I was i was looking at the numbers we i think we we hit over just over 100 and it stayed 100 almost the whole way which is pretty cool it's um it's a very strange thing that 40 percent <laughs> the magic number <laughs> yeah, it's like a, i should have a like a a lotto or a bet on it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks. Bye.